Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness, this Lord. This day, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come to your throne room of grace, O Lord, seeking for mercy, seeking for grace in time of need. Speak to our hearts this evening, O Lord. Speak to me, through me, and to each one of us. Grant us, Father, the gift of repentance and the gift of obedience. And Lord, cause us to walk in your ways. Teach us, anoint us to that end we pray. Forgive us, cleanse us, wash us by the water of your word. We surrender each one of us into your hands. Bring all of those who are coming to your house safely, Lord. And Lord, we believe that we will be blessed because we came. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Passion, the baby is crying. We have compassion. Okay, we take that baby, we wash him, and then, you know, clean him up, clean him up. And then we have so much of compassion, and we say, you know what, suddenly, we say, you know what, you should adopt this, 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 this baby into our lives. And then we say, okay, fine, let's, let's adopt her, or him, whoever it is. And then we treat that person, that baby, like our own. We nourish, we cherish, we love, just like our own. Our baby never, ever, ever knows that she is you know, her past life, whatever it is, and she grows up, and he, or he grows up, and you know, we love him, and everybody in the home loves each, he grows up, one day he becomes a rebel, you, I mean, you, before he becomes a rebel, you also divide the property, whatever I have, divided among three, as if that person is my equal, as if it's just like my own son, or my own daughter, I would, I would, I divided the property, and one day she becomes a rebel, she fights with her parents, spits on my face, and walks out of the home, Now think about that. Or, 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 or maybe you are in a relationship with this, this girl or a guy who would, who you have, you made yourself vulnerable, you, you poured your life into that person and you loved him, you cherished her, whatever it is, you did your everything and one day he, he just betrays you, you know, does the unthinkable, absolutely goes out and there is no sense of remorse. Do you think it's going to be easy for you to forgive? You know the word forgiveness comes from a Greek word which means to bear the weight. That's what it means. It's to bear the weight. It's not easy. It's You know from your own life, I mean, think about it. One of the most difficult things for you to do is to actually extend forgiveness when you know that you were right and the other person was wrong. Yes or no? Yeah? Especially when you were right. You have a sense of justice. How dare you treat me like that? How dare you treat me, take me for granted? How dare you do this to me? There is a sense of heaviness and you can never let it go. It is not easy to forgive. So Jesus is asking the Pharisees, tell me, which is easier? Think about it. Which is easier to do? To forgive somebody who has wronged you or to give alms to the poor? Tell me, which is easy? Ah... See, so the Pharisees are stunned. Who is this man? And Jesus is asking, "Tell me, guys, which is easier? Which is easier to stay, take up, and your bed and walk?" So, what is he t- telling them? You know what? This man's problem is just not physical healing. Physical healing. Jesus never came to just do physical healing. Physical healing is never a problem. Our problem is spiritual healing. And it says that the power of God was there to heal them, but they did not realize that they needed a healer. Why? Let me tell, let me, let me give you this, let me, uh, let me uh, substantiate this argument from the Bible. Look at what it says. Why is it not easy to, to forgive sin? Why is it not easy? It is a, a just God, if he's really just, cannot just let go of sin, he just cannot wink at sin. Look at what it says in, uh, 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 Romans chapter 3 verses 23 to 25. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah. 
And our, okay, before I go there, let's look at this. Uh, this is uh, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without what? Shedding of blood, there can never be remission of sins. Think about it. What has to happen? Somebody has to die in order for the sins to be forgiven. That's why he's asking the question. Do you think? Which is easy? Which is easy? To forgive? Or to say you're, you're, you're healed? Which is easy? No? Um, remember the Passover. How many of you remember the Passover in Egypt? I said this some time back, but I was listening to Tim Keller recently, and he, this is a very fantastic insight he has got. Fantastic insight. He said during the Passover, uh, God pronounced a, 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 a judgment on the, uh, the the tenth plague, which was on the firstborn of every child in the land of Egypt. What is that? Firstborn of every child in the land of Egypt. It was not the firstborn of the Egyptians. No, 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 no. It is a firstborn of every child in the land of Egypt. So he said, you want the angel of death to pass over your house. In every house, I want to see a death. Okay. What should die? Who should die? Either in every house, a lamb dies. Yeah. Or the firstborn dies. Did you get that? Who dies first? Either a lamb dies or the firstborn dies. In other words, the sin of that house is laid on the lamb or the sin of the house is laid on the firstborn. Did you get that? Everybody. So if I see the blood of the lamb on the house, I know that the lamb has been, has been, has been shed, I mean, has been killed over here. So I'll pass over that house and if, and I will keep judging sin. That means these people have judged here. They've been judged. I go to another house. I don't see the blood. I strike the firstborn of that house for the sin of that family. That is the reason why when, when John, John is looking at Jesus, he says, behold the who of God, the Lamb of God who, what? Takes away the sin of the world. So either the firstborn of a particular house dies for the sin of that house or the Lamb dies for the sin of that house. So Tim Keller makes a very interesting observation. He says, think about it. He says, when Abraham was asked by, by God, offer your firstborn son as a sacrifice. If Abraham had heard a voice saying, offer your wife as a sacrifice, he would have said, no, this is a demonic spirit. No, I'm not going to listen to that for sure. But when he heard, offer your firstborn as a sacrifice, Abraham intuitively understood something about himself. Intuitively understood something about himself. He never argued with God. So he takes his son onto the mountain on a three-day journey. He offers him, and it says, scripture says in Hebrews chapter 11, he received Isaac as a type of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, meaning Isaac was a type of Christ. He lays Isaac on the altar and is about to kill Isaac and immediately angel of the Lord stops him and he says, Abraham, Abraham, do not kill your son. Do not lay your hand upon your son. Now I know that you what? Fear me. And then you know what God says? I will provide for you a lamb. And what? Who dies there? A ram in the thicket dies. Either Isaac would have died or a ram in the thicket would have died. Somebody has to die for sin. And therefore, the, Jesus is asking the Pharisees, which is easier guys? Which is easier? To forgive sins? Or to say, take your miracle and go. You know, people, so many people went to, when they come to Jesus, they do not ask Jesus to forgive their sins. They are only upset about the consequences of their sin, but they are never upset about their sin. Never. It is a shedding of the innocent, of the blood of the innocent lamb that was, that was the reason why God could forgive our sin. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, it's a powerful verse for what? Look at this. For our sake he made him to be what? For our sake he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin? 
so that in him we might be we might become the righteousness of god we can become the righteousness of god that is the reason why he says look at another passage it says in romans chapter 3 verse 20 23 to 25 for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in christ jesus whom god put forward as a propitiation through his blood what is propitiation that god literally absorbed the weight of forgiveness upon himself complete what who sin does not my sin, it is not, that's why he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world, of whole world was laid upon him. The weight of sin was laid upon him and the justice of God was satisfied. And God said, you know what, I see that whom God put forward as a propitiation to be, to, uh, by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, what did he do? He passed over our sins and he passed over just like the angel of death. He sees the blood of his son that we are under that blood and he passed over. He the blood of the firstborn are you. The Pharisees have no idea about this. About the nature of forgiveness. They think, see, that's exactly what happens, no? Over a period of time, we keep, so we plead the blood, we plead the blood, we plead the blood. But you know what? We don't understand what it is. We don't understand what it is. It's a heavy price. Salvation is free, but it was not free. It's free for us. It was extremely. How expensive was it? Infinitely expensive. Infinite. So coming back to Luke 5. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins? But. But who? Isn't it amazing? You know they understood. Remember when Jesus asked the asked Simon. What did he say? Who do you say people are? I, I am. People say you are this, you are that, you are Elijah, you are Jeremiah. Who do you you say that I am? You are Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the of the of the Living God. Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. You know what? He has a revelation. You know what? These guys also have an intuition. Who can forgive sins except if any? If God is really Holy, he cannot even let go of a simple thought because he's so holy. And even a single thought is infinitely heavy in the presence of a holy God. And therefore they say, Who can forgive sins but God? You know what Paul will say in Romans chapter 9? Look at this. Of whom are the fathers? And of whom according to the flesh, flesh Christ came, who is overall the eternal blessed who? You see that? Another place. Who is a God like you pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? You know, uh, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote, wrote this book, Mere Christianity. Some of you know it. He said the claims that Jesus made, there are only three options. Either he's a liar and he says, liars make poor martyrs. They don't die for their lies. Either he's a lunatic. He's a madman. He's out of his senses. But look at his teachings. They're so coherent, full of wisdom. Therefore, he's not. If he's neither a liar, if he's neither a lunatic, he has to be what? And the Pharisees are there, right there in their in the in, in, in their midst, and they say, Who can forgive sins except God? And Jesus was like possibly looking at them and says, Yeah, guys. I'm he. I'm he. I'm he. That's amazing. You know that what what it tells me is this, no? If you are a guy who thinks that you don't need forgiveness. What, what is so obvious to you in your mind will not become a reality in your heart. You can intellectually consent and say, yes, yes, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, etc. But it is not real in your heart. It is not real. 
I mean, this is something which is, it's, which, which really bothers me. What, what, what does it mean? My sin was so big. That is the reason why if you heard that hymn, uh, it is well with my soul. And in the one stanza which says, my sin. And he stops, he says, oh, the bliss of that glorious thought. <laughs> my sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross. And I what? And I bear it no more. It is so heavy that I couldn't bear it. Oh, even so, it is well with my soul. My sin. You know what? Sin is heavy, guys. Do you understand how heavy it was, a price for God to pay? It was not easy. You know it. You yourself know it, how easy, how difficult it is to extend forgiveness to people. You can do everything but forgive. How, you know what? You, you you can see that in 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 um in um even even ch- children. Mama, she beat me and she didn't even say sorry. Say sorry. Say sorry. It's there. When you're wronged to extend forgiveness, I mean, there was, I was looking at MSN News this this morning. There was this, the two drunkards in in the airport who were who were misbehaving with this uh, with this lady, air hostess. And she literally made that fellow touch their feet, her feet, and say, "Mokku na kallu, mokku." It's it's gone viral on the on the on the internet, and it's come it come in the news. Mokku na kall, mokku nuvu. It's so difficult for us to forgive because you have this sense of justice in each one of us. And you know what? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's Applicable to everyone except you. So difficult to forgive. So difficult to forgive. You always claim for your rights as to how your mother and father have to treat you. How your teachers have to treat you. How your parents have to treat you. They have to be kind. They have to be merciful. They should be generous. That's amazing. A sense of... But when when it comes to us to extend forgiveness, boy... That's the reason why Jesus is asking. I know, guys, guys, I'm asking you this question, guys. Which is easy? To say that your sins are forgiven? Or to say, take your healing and go. Uh, next, understand that. Keep that in mind. So, question therefore is, is it easy for you to forgive? It is only easier for you to forgive if you have really, really understood how much it costed God for your sin. Next verse. Let's go to another Another incident. I'll go to go through five if time permits. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector. This is the same chapter. Named Levi sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up and followed him. And Levi gave him a great feast in his own house and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat with them. Okay, so... Always, this is a situation, no? The Pharisees are there, the sinners are there, and the Pharisees will ask a question. And the scribes and the Pharisees complained against him and complained against his disciples saying, why do you eat with and drink uh, drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick. Look at another place. Same, same thing. Same passage. Same kind of a situation. Uh, in Gospel according to Luke chapter 15. I, I have not come to, uh, to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We look at that. In Luke's Gospel chapter 15. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them saying. Okay, this is the question. So, he is giving, there's an argument, why do you sit with sinners, why do you accept sinners, why do you sit and eat with sinners and not, not with, uh, I mean, not, not with us righteous people, in other words. What man of you, in other words, is there anyone among you, is directly attacking the character of the people who accuse them? Okay, okay, he says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine? In the wilderness and go after the one who is lost until 
he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he recalls, he calls his, together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with, rejoice with me for I have uh, found my sheep which was lost. And I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. What is he trying to say? He's trying to atta- answer the logic by attacking the character of the people over there. He says, which one of you, which one of you, if you have 9900 sheep, one is lost. Will you not go after the other lost sheep? It's like this, no? Why do you worry? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Look at the sparrows. Look at the things of this. Do they toil, etc., etc. Are you not worth more than what is he trying to say? How does Jesus defend? He, Jesus defends by asking them this question, which is more precious, the soul of a human being or the soul of a sheep? One sheep if you lose, especially in Hyderabad, on Bakrid day. If that guy, he owns a slaughterhouse, he will, she will search and he says, ruler of the synagogue, one day ruler of the synagogue, Jesus heals this woman who was, uh, was, uh, was with infirmity for 18 years. And the ruler, ruler of the synagogue will say something. He says, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and heal on them and do not, and not on the Sabbath day. And look at how Jesus answers. Hypocrite! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his donkey? Ought not to this woman whom was a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on Sabbath. So what is it? Souls are precious to God. You see, what do the Pharisees think? These are sinners. And you look at them, Jesus is looking and says, these are souls made in the image of God. God breathed I breathe my image into him. Made in the image of God. And a question to all of us. We have been in GTC for such a long time. How many of us are really burdened for souls? For people in our own home who are not saved. Really? Has it increased? Do you cry out more and more knowing that the time is Passing by that every day is a day that is lost for them. Is souls precious to you? Souls are precious to God. Look at what it says. And even in your own house, do you know that the souls of your children are so precious in your sight? So precious. It's a very interesting. Whenever Justin and I have an argument, the landlords know. Always. And you know, whenever we have an argument, you know who's watching? Two, four eyes. And they ask questions. Four eyes always. My God, it's, it, you, you, it, when I think about it, I really get convicted so much sometimes. What a tremendous responsibility given to us. Are they important to us? I mean, I, I, I think about Sunday school ministry, for example. Uh, you, do you think that teaching from the pulpit is more important? Or teaching as a Sunday school teacher is as important as teaching from the pulpit? What do you think? What do you think, guys? That is the reason why in Sunday school ministry we keep, keep telling people, prepare, prepare, prepare your, 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 your class. Don't take it lightly. You do not have, you don't have, you may not be seeing tangible results now, but one day it will come. You only have to sow it by faith. Parenting is sowing, 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 sowing. It's a demanding process, Baba. You'll never see the results and you may not even see the results, but you still keep sowing. Why? Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, 
No, 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 no. But by, from your aimless content received by tradition from your fathers, but by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, that is what was required to redeem your soul. Nothing else, not more than that. Don't sleep, please. Don't fall asleep on Wednesday when you come to church. That is what is required. What is important? Souls, are, are they precious to you? Are the souls of your children precious to you? Look at what it says in another place in Mark's Gospel chapter 8. For what does it, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his own soul? Another place, Luke's Gospel chapter 17. He said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Meaning, it is absolutely certain that will offenses will come. But woe to them by, by whom they come. It would be better for him if a milestone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Do you think that they are precious in your sight? Do you, when you come to GSS, do you think that souls are precious? People who minister at GSS, do you think the souls that have been entrusted into your hands, they are precious? Do you prepare? You know, I remember when we had the VBS, boy, we were, uh, we, it was a fasting and prayer, said, Lord, this time, somebody has to be touched. I may not see tangible results, but I am going to give my everything. In the Pilgrim's Progress story, you know it, when you came. Every day was, it was incidentally the 40 day fast that we were going through. But it was, it was so serious. It's not an ordinary thing. So parents, do you understand? And therefore he's, he's asking, Pharisees, don't you see? Do you see these people over there? Their souls? Are they not important to you? Their souls? You know, that is the, that is the reason why we know where our value systems are, no? You know, we are like this, I'm coming to a nice church, I'm listening to a good word. Putting my tithes, putting my offerings. Don't ask me anything more, Baba. I can also be sometimes be outsider and criticize also. Ah, this is not right, that is not right, this is not right. But do you want to be the part of the solution? Ah, that is difficult. That is difficult. You know, that is what a covenant is. That is really what a covenant is. I mean, I remember once my father-in-law was talking to some of us. A couple of them, bunch of them wanted to leave the church and you know, he says, every church has problems. Every church has problems. And I remember, when 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 he said that, something just came to my mind. I said, you know what? Jesus looks at all of our problems. All of our problems. He sees all of our situations. You know what he does? He embraces them all as his own. He embraces them all. You look at your church, you see so many problems. This is not there, that is not there. But do you embrace it as your own? Or do you say, this is not right, that is not right, this is not right, that is not right. I see that all the time. People keep on criticizing, criticizing, criticizing. But it is easy to criticize, brother. But to be a part of the solution, you have to embrace the souls as your own. Do you Will you do that as your own? No. That is difficult. That calls for something else. That calls for commitment. That calls for dying. That that calls for considering every soul precious in the sight of God. Because most of the problems in a church are not normal. They are spiritual problems. They are problems related to the soul. Are souls precious to your side? Another situation. Let's go to Luke's Gospel chapter 7. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. <laughs> you see, I'm just looking at Pharisee, sinner, Pharisee, sinner. The response of the Pharisee and the response of Jesus. Pharisee, sinner, Pharisee, sinner. So third, third, third case scenario. Third uh, case scenario. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat and behold a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. This is her way of asking for forgiveness. You know, not many people have different ways of asking for forgiveness. Some people will come and say, please forgive me. Some people will make a nice meal for you. It is their way of asking for forgiveness. Accept it. Don't say it. She didn't say it. 
She has to confess with her mouth. That's what Jesus said, right? If you confess, she's not confessing. This is confession. You know, God is not looking at external confession. He's looking at the heart. You know, so many prayers that you, that God answers are not prayers of the, of the mouth, they're prayers of the heart. You know, that is the reason why pastor says, if you have any, what's, ah, unspoken prayer request, please stand up. And you stand up by faith, hoping that God will hear the sound of your heart. And you know, this is what Jesus is doing. He's, he's, he's looking at her heart. She should have, no, 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 no. See, many, it happens even in homes. You know, especially when a father does something against the children, his way of asking for forgiveness is to take them out and buy them something. My father, he should ask for, take it easy. If a wife is a, if she wants to ask forgiveness, she will not ask, she will cook nice, something nice for you. And she will put it on the table. And that is her way of approaching the Holy of Holies. You see? <laughs> That's what we think. We are the cat's whiskers. You see? We, are, we have a very condescending approach toward other people. Really, honestly. You need to really check our hearts today. And behold, a woman in the city was a sinner and she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And what did she do? You know it. And she stood at his feet behind him. You know where did she st- sat? Jesus is here. This is a fantastic, I mean, amazing. Jesus is here. He's sitting like this. She should have been here, but she's here. I can't even show my face. Amazing. That is humility. She stood at his feet behind him, weeping. Began to wash his feet with her tears. Wiped them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. And when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he spoke to himself. Where did he speak? (laughs) All your reasons. You see, one lady, she's not even saying anything out. In her heart, she's repenting. One guy is judging He's not saying anything in his heart, but he's in, in his heart he's judging and Jesus is voicing both their thoughts. Amazing. And then what happens? Now this man, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were truly a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him for he, she is a sinner. And then Jesus gives a logic. You see, always God answers. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, <laughs> I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. I'll give you a logical situation. Logical. Very logical. I'm telling you honestly, Bible is the most logical book that you can ever find. Step, step, step one, step two, step three, result. It is what we call in Telugu, katte, kote, teche. Very clear. Step one, step two, step three results. So now this is what he's going to ask. Look at what he says. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 dinari, other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, you see that is important. Both of them had nothing to pay. In other, in other words, in ourselves we have nothing that can please God. Nothing. Nothing that can please God. All our righteousness, as Isaiah 64 verse 6 will say, is like filthy rags before him. Absolutely nothing. And when they had nothing to repay, he freely forgave them. Though tell me therefore, which of them will love more? Ah, which of them will? You see that question? Therefore I say to you, and you know the Pharisee answers, right? You have judged rightly, he says. The one who think has been forgiven. He says, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those, those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives 
sins. Question. Those who have been forgiven much, they also? What is the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your mind. Now question therefore is, how many of you are not guilty of not obeying that commandment today? How many of you, right from the time you woke up from your sleep, the first is, Lord, I love you. How many of you woke up like that? I'll tell you, how, how many of some, of some of us woke up yesterday, last night, that fellow, he fought with me, man. He fought with me. You wake up with a hangover. Literally. You say, oh, I, that, that guy, this is rage inside, and, and then, and, the, and then you can see the sound in the kitchen. You know what it is, what's going on over there. The first thing, you have not loved God. You loved yourself. Right? What, what was your first thought? Lord, I love you. Did you say that? No, 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 no. Lord, my problems. Lord, my situation, my office, my finances, my this. But every one of us at every given point in time, we have actually disobeyed this commandment of not loving. You know how much of forgiveness that we need every day of our lives? Do you know how much we need? How much we need? And he says, you know what? God is not saying that I'm going to, I'm going to be merciful. He says, my mercies are new every morning. New. Because I know you fellows, you don't love me and that is my standard. You have to love me and I know from the first time that you get up, you will not love me. Therefore, I have to cover you with my mercy. How many of us love God with all of our heart? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Do you love God, Simon? (laughs) What does Simon say today? Behold, a certain lawyer stood up testing him saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is in the law? What is your reading? Right answer. You know, our children, they are very good at giving right answers. Doctrinally perfect. Fantastic answers they will give you. But look at what he says. He says, what is what is written in the law? What is your reading? So he said, you shall love the Lord your God. <laughs> he knows the answer. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He said, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. And he, what did he do? He wanted to justify himself and said, who is my neighbor? And you know the story of the Samaritan. We're not going to the story. In other words, you know that you really, really love God. If you're absolutely secure in his love and because you're absolutely secure in his love, you are also able to extend forgiveness to others. Otherwise, you are a Shriman Charso beast. What did I say? I didn't say that. Bible said. 1 John chapter 4.20. You are a 4.20. What does it say? If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, how do you hate your brother? You ask him to live up to the standards that you yourself can't live up to. That is how you hate him. Honestly. Honestly. That is how you hate your brother. He says, hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. If he does not love his brother whom he has seen... How can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God, m- m- see, the, the, uh, see the, the, actually the original translation is, him that he, that he who loves God, loves his brother also, because the must is not there. But you know, the, 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 the guys who translated the, the, the Bible, they said, you know what, this is so important. They said, yeah, how can we say that we love God whom we have not seen? And just be tight-fisted toward my brother whom we have seen. I I, 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 I extrapolate this argument everywhere. I said, do you really honor God? 
Yes, yes, we honor God. I say, you know what? If you can't honor your boss whom you can see, how can you say that you honor God whom you cannot see? Yes, I honor God. If you can't you honor your parents that you can see, how can you say that you honor God whom you cannot see? I honor God. If you can't honor your pastor whom you can see, <laughs> how can you honor God whom you cannot see? Say that. And this commandment, yeah, that is the reason why, you know what, when Peter comes and says, Father, uh, so, uh, uh, Master, how, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Seventy times seven. 490 times. What does it mean? Now we all get, get into some, we are very good Bible scholars now. We can just do a word search of 490 and get where, where this 490 is available. But the point here is this, you forgive so much that forgiveness becomes a lifestyle. It is so easy. Why? Because you understand, Lord, mercy is new every morning, Lord. Mercy is new every morning. I know how much I, I am a sinner, how much you forgave me. How is it? Is it not possible for me? I remember um, this man who was a Jewish man who got converted. Recently, but it's, it's, it's about in 2010, whereabouts. His name is Zev Porath. Zev Porath. Z-A-V-P-O-R-O-T. Zev Porath. Orthodox Jewish rabbi, he comes to the faith. And then he goes to Germany, where a German Christian channel wants to interview him. And he goes there, and the interviewer, his parents were people who actually were part of the Holocaust. They were SS officers. His ancestors. And he was living with this guilt in his heart. Man, what we have done to the Jews. And this guy goes there and he gives this interview. And after the, and during the interview, Zev says to the interviewer, I want to tell you something. I know there is some guilt in your heart about your forefathers who have done things against my Jewish people. Let me tell you something. I've come here to extend forgiveness. I say in the name of Jesus, I forgive you. You know what happens? They stop the interview. They stop. It was going on. It was going and it was getting recorded in the station. They stopped the interview. The guy went out. He cried profusely. They hugged. They were reconciled. And they came back into the auditorium and they gave their interview again. And I was thinking, no, think about the bitterest enemies. They can be reconciled. How much more? Brothers in the church. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Put on tender mercies. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as what? Christ forgive you, so also you must do. Just not Christ. Somebody else also forgive. How? Let me show you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Uh, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. God forgave you. Another situation. Finally, final situation. Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. And he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. That's the point. You know, it's, scripture is very, very terse. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. And let me tell you honestly, many believers are guilty of praying like this. I'll tell you what their heart attitude is. We'll come to that. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much raise his eyes to the heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, who this man, not the guy who prayed, but the guy who Beat his chest. This man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. 
and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now the question here is, who is your standard? Who is your standard? Now, Tim Keller gives a very interesting example. Uh, he thinks about, think about, um, you are one of the smartest and the most talented musician in your city. Okay? Most talented guitarist, singer in your city. Okay? And one day you are called to audition to Mumbai. You are the best in Hyderabad. And you go to Mumbai. Alright? Several people are called for the same audition. Hundred people. And then you are sitting outside waiting for your chance to come. One by one people are going and giving their audition. The first guy sings a song and you say, ah, it's okay, I'm not that, not that good, I think I'm better. Another guy goes, he sings a song, ah, okay, not that great, but better than the previous guy, but I think I'm better. And suddenly, out of nowhere, one guy comes from Nagaland. Okay, I think the, the Northeast guys are extremely talented, okay. He comes and he starts singing, he holds his guitar and you start hearing his sound. And you have a heart attack almost. And you say, boy, this guy is so good. And then another guy comes from another place, better than this guy. Another guy, better than the other one. What will happen by the time you enter into the audition room? Will you have confidence? Will you have confidence? You know, Tim Keller puts it very funnily. He says, you know what? Um, you think that you are the smartest, you are the most intelligent, most beautiful, most accomplished person in your in your town and you come to New York City. And in New York City you find people who are 100 times smarter, 100 times more intelligent. And you know what happens? You become so traumatic. You become so, you go into depression. You know why? Because your standard was your town now your standard is New York City. That's exactly what is happening over here. Your standard is this fellow. But one day you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That is a different standard altogether. Who's your standard? Comparing with others. Philippians chapter 3. Look at what Paul will say. Circumcise the earth day. Eighth day. Stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisees, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Can you have a guy who is better? I mean, in fact, if you stand, sit next to Apostle Paul, you will say, you will run away. Even if you are a Christian, you will run away. This guy's standards are so high. I mean, think about it. What what kind of a standard he was be, he was having after he became a believer? You know, Paul, uh, pastor was the other day was actually teaching at uh, the revival meetings. He said, he made a statement. He said, Jesus Christ, Apostle Paul, I mean, uh, Jesus Christ, Paul and the rest of the apostles. That says, that's the, that's exactly the order. That's what I thought in my mind. Yes, it is Christ, Paul, rest of the apostles. It was not easy to stay with Paul. When John Mark had a major issue, he said, Baba, you go home, okay? Please go home. This is ministry. I don't want whiners. You want to see your mama go? Put your thumb in your mouth. He was a no-nonsense guy. And this is what he says. Concerning the law, I was blameless. This is what was before his conversion. And you know what he says? But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss when I saw Christ. When I saw Christ as 10,000 lightnings, I said, boy, who is this man? Why? Next verse. Yet indeed I count all, all things as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. And be found in him not having my own righteousness, but a righteousness which is from faith, by faith in God, which is from God. Who's your standard today? Who's your standard? Your standard is, let me tell you, the good standards to have. Standards should be people who are better than you. Not people who are like you. Okay, As indisciplined as you. Okay, as lethargic as you, as slack as you. Think about it, no? How do, how do, how do parents encourage their children, motivate their children? Look at that fellow. Look at it. How hardworking, how disciplined. That's exactly what they say. Follow that fellow. And we have a very good, very bad example. I mean, I'm better than that fellow. Ah, that fellow doesn't even go to church. At least I come to church. Big thing. 
Or be given a Nobel Prize in Christianity, if there is one. What is your standard? Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 will say, For we do not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves, comparing themselves with themselves, are what? In other words, they are fools. Not wise means fools. What is your standard? Who is your standard? That is the reason why I tell, keep telling people, no? If, if, whenever they falter, whom do they go to first? Do they approach pastor or do they approach a brother? Pastor, nakkore bhai. Standard is too high. He will not understand. He will judge me. That's what we, I hear. Such a high standard. I can't, I can't come there. No, he's, he will judge me. Let me go to another guy who will lower the standard. And who will say, ah, you're okay. You know, there, you're better than so many other people. That's what you'll say. They themselves measuring for we do not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Question therefore, who are you comparing yourself with? Who's your standard? Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man. Whoever you are who judge when whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you, the judge, practice the same things. Why? You do not understand this because your standard is not God. Your standard is here. But that one day God will show that standard. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Who's your standard today? Saints. Last. Last scenario. John's Gospel chapter 8. So they continued asking him. This is the woman caught in adultery. He raised himself and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. And he again stooped down and wrote the ground, wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. What is happening over here? We are not sinners because we commit sins. We commit sins because we are sinners. Sin is not something we do it in the external. Sin is something that we are internal. And that is the reason why David will say in Psalm 51, I've been birthed in sin, conceived in iniquity. In iniquity my mother conceived me. Sin is a problem. That is the reason why when the Pharisees said, do we also sin? Do we? Are we also blind? And Jesus says, if you said that you are having sin, then you are not blind. But because you say that you see, your sin remains with you. You know, there are two ways of going back home tonight. Comparing ourselves with the worst case scenario. Or comparing ourselves with Jesus. You can always pat ourselves in the back, but God will come and show one day. You know what he will show? He will show people who are who had a bad start than you, who was, who's going ahead of you, and he will say, you know what, those, those people, you know why they were able to proceed so much further with God? Because they understood. Who is forgiven much, loves much. Shall we pray this evening? Even as we, it's a very simple word. Very, very simple. We have seen this so many times. If God is speaking to you this evening, you don't have to, Say that out loudly. In your own heart, in your, in your heart, in your, in the private secret chamber of your heart, you can ask this to yourself. Lord, convict me, make my repentance more deep and more genuine. Lord, show me what I am and who I am in the light of who you really are. Speak to my heart. Convict me, O oh Lord. Don't wait till you commit a sin like David did. 
Ask God to show your own sin. Judge your own heart. And quit comparing yourself with others. Father, we thank you, Father, for this evening that you have given to us. I pray, Father, that you would touch each one of our hearts. So many of us, O oh Lord, are still not secure in you. We look for approval from others. Because our identity does, does not come from you. We are still not enjoyed the sense and the, and the reality of our forgiveness. And therefore it is so difficult for us to forgive. I pray, Father, that you would touch each one of us this evening, O Lord. Touch each one of our hearts. That, Lord, that we will not be like the Pharisees, O Lord, who don't need any repentance, who said, yes, one day I repented, but I don't need any more repentance today. I pray, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, the more closer we come to you, we know that our sin is deeper, O Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would convict each one of us, O Lord. Exhort us, O Lord. Show us the depth of our own sin, O Lord. Enable us not to judge our other brothers, O Lord. Enable us not to see the, the moat in others' eye when we have a plank in our own eyes, O Lord. Enable us to deal with a plank in our own eyes, O Lord, before we can see the moat in others' eyes, so that we can be merciful and kind, just as you were merciful to each one of us, O Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Grant us grace, O Lord. Yes, Lord, forgiveness is not cheap, O Lord. It is not easy to forgive. But Lord, give us a sense of the depth of our own sin and the enormity of our of our sin so that we could see the generosity of God in forgiving us our sin and our trespass and our transgression. O oh, Father, and enable us to be magnanimous and generous towards others as well. That we will truly forgive, us, forgive others their trespasses even as we have been forgiven us our trespasses. Thank you, Father, for this time. We give you glory. Father, you said, Oh, no man anything except the debt of love. Enable us to love with all of our heart. Let our love be without dissimulation. Thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Yes, you're dismissed.